Let's do this. All right. In Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43, we find an amazing story of two miraculous healings. Two miraculous healings. Before we go into kind of all the details of this text, I do want to recognize that um, a person comes back on the scene that I'm just letting you know is one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. His name is Peter, Simon Peter. Can I just be real with you why I love Simon Peter? He's an absolute moron like me. And when I read about Peter, I'm like, man, if God could use Peter, he can use an idiot like me, right? Peter, man, is a guy that just kind of, which I can relate to. He's a guy that asks forgiveness, not permission. You know what I'm saying? He kind of acts before he thinks. And most of my life, I'm just telling you, I've had to go around asking for forgiveness, uh, not permission, because I just act and I, I tend to be more spontaneous. And, and I like guys like that, right? But man, I'm also thankful because as I read this, even in Peter's somewhat inability or his inexperience or immaturity, man, God uses him to do some powerful things. Now, before we go into this story, let's just remind ourselves. Last week, we looked in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, and we saw how the church, right, throughout all Judea and Samaria was being built up. And then it said, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And so the church is on the advance right now. What's so cool is that we don't get to read all the stories. I can't wait personally to go to heaven, okay? I can't wait to go to heaven, and I can't wait to sit down at Peter's feet and say, hey, this little section where we don't get to read every single story or every single experience that you had, would you give me some things that maybe we didn't read in Scripture? Could you tell me a little bit more about what you experienced in Samaria, what you experienced in Judea? Can't y'all wait? Like, I, I just can't wait to hear. So this picture, it's summarized that walking in the fear of the Lord, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. God was, it's not like Peter disappeared. He wasn't sitting in his house just doing a study on systematic theology, not advancing the kingdom. No, Peter's on mission, and there's proof in the text that he's on mission. One of the reasons why the church is multiplying is through God's servant, Peter. And so when we consider Peter, maybe you want to write some of these things down. We had an incredible V group on Tuesday night, and we can't wait to see you back on Tuesday night. Everybody's welcome to come and join us as we kind of take these sermons and we go and we go into the text a little bit more. I want you to know, uh, yes, we want to dive a little deeper into Scripture, but if you're also new to the faith and, and kind of you're giving church a try, the V groups are a great place to make community, to, to get to know one another, to talk to one another. We need circles more than we do rows. And so come and join us for one of our circles on Tuesday nights at 6.30. We have V groups on top of that. We have our Hope Recovery Ministry that also meets out here at 6.30. And we're just having a blast together, diving into God's Word. So as I write things down, remember I'm trying to teach this culture. Write down these, these different references. I'm not going to put everything on the screen. And then bring those on Tuesday night and say, hey, I'd like to talk a little bit more about maybe what Rob was doing there. I don't think he planned it, but it just kind of came out of his mouth. Could we talk a little bit more about that, all right? 
And so here's just some of my thoughts because it's important for us to consider who Peter was. First of all, there was Peter's calling in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, um, Peter's a fisherman. And this is how God called me into ministry. I was running from God's call and I didn't want to be a pastor. My grandfathers, both of them pastors. My dad's a pastor. Both of my uncles are pastors. And with all due respect, church people be crazy. And I had grown up in kind of the church, and I was like, eh, I don't want to be a pastor. I've seen how my dad's been treated his whole life, how my grandfather's, and my grandfather always told me, Rob, they're all from South Africa. My whole family's from South Africa. Rob, if you could do anything else in the world, do it. But if God calls you to be a pastor, you better not do anything else in the world. Because your job is to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And so as I was battling with my call, honestly, I thought, I truly believe within my heart I was headed to the NBA. All right? As I was playing college basketball. Just a little short. uh, Can't quite jump. Uh, And so I didn't quite make it to the NBA. But that's what I was thinking. I was going to do that, be a head basketball coach or whatever else. And and I'm studying Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where these two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, his brother, are fishing. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they threw down their nets to follow Jesus. Here's Peter's calling. We know the time, if you go and look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20, the time where Peter confesses Jesus as Christ. And as he professes Jesus as Christ, this is when Jesus says to him, uh, Blessed are you, Simon. I'll tell you, you are now called Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus loves Peter. And I love how God, through God's Spirit, starts to empower Peter in so many different ways. But we know as Jesus rolls towards the cross, does Peter always make the right decision? No, Peter denies Christ three times when Christ needed him most. Some of y'all might be like, I can't believe Peter did that. And I promise you, if you reflect back in your own time, your own narrative, Anybody willing to admit sometimes you've denied Christ? Anybody willing to admit? All right, let me put it another way. Anybody else a sinner in the house? Just raise your hand high because there might be somebody here that's like, I can't live up to those real perfect church people at Vintage. No, join the club. We're all losers here. We're all struggling with sin here. We all mess up here. And we're all so thankful for the grace of Jesus here. Peter denies Christ, but we know that Peter also is reinstated by Christ. And he says in those three moments, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter is then propelled into, as we start to read in the book of Acts, the ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit after the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And we see a story of Peter right away in Acts chapter 3, don't we? For Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And there's a man who is lame, who cannot walk. He's been this way his entire life and he's asking for money. 
And that's when we read the famous line where Peter and John turn to this man who's asking for money, and basically Peter says, silver or gold, I don't have. I'm a preacher, I'm broke. But what I do have, I want to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And instantly, this man walks. What an amazing story. Peter then moves from there to Solomon's portico. And he's put on watch in front of so many people to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. The very miraculous healing that just took place. Everybody's like, what's going on here? And he preaches Christ. And then he's brought before the council because everybody's mad that they can't control this. This is busting their religious bubble. This is out of the plans that they had for their own lives. But they cannot deny that the man who used to sit begging for money, who never could walk, is now walking. And I love when the religious leaders specifically tell Peter, hey, stop preaching Jesus. You know what Peter says? Acts chapter 4, verse 20. He says, for we cannot help speaking. Now listen to this, because this is going to tie in. This is going to tie in to what we're reading today. He says, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen. All right. Jesus tells us we're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. A witness is someone who has experienced something and then is telling people about the very thing that they've experienced. All right. That's a witness. Peter says... Look, y'all can lock me up all you want to. You can try and put a muzzle on me. I can't help it. I have personally, as we've just reminded ourselves, witnessed this Jesus. He has called me. He has walked with me. He has talked with me. He has forgiven me. He has empowered me. Not to mention what Jesus has done for me. He's now starting to work in me and through me. And he's using me to bring about the same life change that I've experienced. And he's unleashing that to other people through my life. So he says, you're telling me to button this up? I cannot help speaking about what I have seen and heard. How good is that? This is Peter. And then the last time we kind of see Peter is... In Acts chapter 8, we read of the story of Peter and Simon the Magician. I don't have time to tell you that story, but you can actually go on to our sermon page and you can listen to a sermon where God uses Peter with Simon the Magician. Well, Peter's been on the move. And Peter was involved in the book of Acts in an itinerant mission around all of Judea which brought him to the place that we're going to find this text today, a place called Lydda. Lydda, mentioned only here in the New Testament, is the place, if you know Israel today, modern-day Israel, this is Tel Aviv. This is where the airport is. So this is where this is going down, okay, in Israel. And I love this because... We know that as Peter is now faithfully 
sharing Jesus. Jesus is starting to break down some barriers. I can't wait to preach next week. Because we're going to really lock in on, get this, Jesus didn't come just to save his people, the Jewish people. Jesus came to save the world. And we start to see in Acts chapter 10 how God begins to raise up his church to extend this beautiful gospel to Gentiles like the crazy people in Pittsburgh. This is so amazing. Let's look at the text. I've entitled today's message, Hope Arising. Don't freak out. I know that was just an intro. You're like, I got to beat the Methodists to Pramani. We'll get there. Just stick with me. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43. Listen to this story. Now, as Peter went here and there among who? Them all. No prejudice, no racism. Among them all. May God raise up our church to be a people who goes here and there and among them all. How many of y'all believe for God so loved the world? I want to be a part of that mission. The world. Here's Peter. Stop stopping, Rob. You got to preach. Keep going. It says, he came down also to the saints. I've just got to stop one more time. Just, just, just one more time. This is the first time the church is called the saints in Scripture. Which I personally love because of God's favorite NFL team, the New Orleans Saints. And saints means to be set apart. To be holy ones, chosen ones. Not perfect but to be ones who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The saints here. I love, I love the term here, the shift. And so let's check this. Who lived in Lydda. All right? So what does that tell you? God's already been moving. There's the church in Lydda here. Peter might be arriving, but God's been moving. Anybody else excited? Like, I want to sit at Peter's feet. But how many of y'all want to sit next to the people who are unknown. Like, I want to find the saints at Lydda. Hey, yo, just entered through the pearly gates here. And um, there just was not all the stories that I heard about. And huge New Orleans Saints fan. I was the saints in New Orleans at a time. And then I was the saints at vintage in Pittsburgh at a time. Would you please tell me, because I'm all about some who that said he's going to be them saints. Would you tell me about what's going on and what God did in Lydda? Because clearly God was on the move. How many of y'all are excited to hear those stories? See, that's, that's heaven. That, this is going to be nonstop thanking Jesus for what he's done. It's going to be walking from one person to the next. Oh, snap. Jesus did that for you? Oh, he did that for me. Whoa, he, he did that type of thing? Come on, Jesus, why didn't you do that for me? 
I mean, that's, we're just going to be like celebrating and giving Jesus praise left and right. Get back, Rob. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years. This is the one story. Who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Praise God. It says, and immediately he rose. We just read this like, well, good for them. No, this is amazing. Amazing. Immediately he rose. Now, we're going to go back to this picture of witness. Remember what Peter said? For I cannot help speaking about what I've seen and heard. The purpose of the miracle healing in Acts chapter 3 of God using Peter to heal a crippled man from birth was so that people would hear about the testimony and the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, let me ask you something. Do you think God, in his grace and in his sovereignty, is going to do something like this, healing Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for them to just have a holy huddle and keep it to themselves? No. God is faithfully, fear the Lord, comfort the Holy Spirit, multiplying his church. And at this critical time in the early church, there's no greater way for Jesus and his gospel to advance to the ends of the earth than through a miraculous healing in the world. That's where I'm just telling you, as I was in my prayer closet before I came out to preach, I'm like, what the world doesn't need today is my sermon. What the world needs today is the miraculous power of Jesus. And so slay me today, King Jesus, and live. Bring about your healing for your glory. Check out what happens with the testimony. It says, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. This term is used numerous times. This is speaking of salvation. They turned to the Lord. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Starts to speak to the Greek translation because of the significance of Jesus and his gospel working through his church to advance to the Gentiles. So, it says about this woman that she was full of good works and acts of charity. She was a blessing. And in those days, she became ill, and what does it say? And died. Well, Rob, she probably wasn't really dead. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't confirm at the local hospital that she was really dead. So I don't know if we can trust scripture because I go into the historical significance of this and there wasn't the appropriate... Scripture says she died. You decide to be that critical person that's always trying to second-guess scripture and one day you bring that to God in heaven. I'm going to step back and say, you said she was dead. She did. <laughs> oh, but you're not studying it correctly in the grand 
She died. And it says, And when they had washed her and laid her in an upper room. See, I think this is significant. Did they lay her in a tomb? In a grave? So Peter's going to get a lot of quote-unquote credit here. But let's not miss out. Let's not miss out on the faith of the people. Y'all with me? They still had hope. See, this is why I've called this sermon today, Hope Arising. They still had hope. Now, check this. Let's stop this real quick. Why do you think they had hope? This is the stories that I want to get into. Oh, saints at Joppa. I promise you, they've already seen and experienced. They cannot help speaking about what they have seen and heard. Do you think that they're at a moment where they're believing in a resurrection from the dead if they hadn't heard that Jesus has the power to bring about a resurrection from the dead? Belief. Faith. Lord, please, hope arising in our church, in our city. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too impossible for our God. It says since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, like 10 miles difference between the two. The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. And so I just love that. Peter's like, no, you see, my calendar says that this is my day off, and I have already planned five speaking gigs over here. No, he's listening to Jesus do what he says. He sees a God moment here. And what does it say? Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived... They took him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas, Tabitha, made while she was with them. Oh, remember our friend? She was one of charity. You know that she made these tunics so that we could sell this because there's people in our city that are hungry and without food. And she was constantly thinking of ways that she could partner with ministries in the city to serve the least of these. This is Tabitha. It's almost like they're trying to, hey, Peter, I know you're a busy guy and you probably don't heal everybody, you know, but like we want you to know this woman, she was legit. Here's her resume. Here's her resume. And I love this. It says, but Peter put them all outside. That's mean. No, I think at this moment, like, he's, he's saying, you know what? All right, I hear the heart of the people. They obviously have faith. She's not in the grave. She's not in the tomb. She's been washed and cleaned and she's been presented in a room. Their faith is there. Their hope is there. But I know that they don't, even in their faith, have the power to heal. I know in this moment, I'm so humbled by this. Peter knew how much of a moron he is. He's like, oh my gosh. 
I can't believe that they're expecting of me to pray and bring about a resurrection of the dead. So he has to pull everybody away. That's, this is what got me. I was like, ah, should I be on the front row in front of everybody or should I be with Jesus right now? Peter here says, I need Jesus right now. He moves everybody outside. And he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just say that? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody say it. Thank you, Jesus. What a miracle. And I love this. Once again, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. It says, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. We're going to talk about him next week because of the significance the religious people would have really weirded out that Peter is staying with Simon because in a ceremonial way, he's a person who is unclean. And yet God is the God for God so loved the world. All right. I really don't know what to do right now because it's time that we should leave. Can I just share with you what my outline was going to be? Because I'd like to get to Acts chapter 10 next week. But I want you to know that Jesus is the God who can heal. I'll never forget going to India years ago. And I went on a mission trip. We, our church in New Orleans, sent out missionaries who to this day serve the Lord in Mumbai, India. And I went over there to train pastors. And one day we go into a bunch of house churches. And this one pastor comes up to me and he's taking me into the slums of India. And he's like, I want to show you our number one evangelist. So I'm sitting there like, yes, let's do this. Can't wait to meet the Billy Graham of India. And I come into this one house church, and in this house, there's a woman. She has nubs for hands. Her face is completely scarred up, almost as if it had started to like disappear. Something had been eating away at her face. And through a translator, this pastor tells me, this is my number one evangelist. For I want you to know that this lady is a widow. And this widow was on the streets of our city, and she was very sick. She had a sickness that was going to take her life.
And one day, walking on the streets of this city, she met our church. Hey, girls, let's stop talking. Thank you. She met our church. And our church prayed over her that Jesus, this great physician, would be the Jesus that heals. And I want you to know that Jesus, by his grace, healed this widow. And can I tell you, this widow, we even took up a love offering at one point and tried to get her a really nice apartment so that she could live. She rejected it. She said, thank you for the charity. Thank you for, I have to be here for God has healed me to tell everybody around me that Jesus is the Jesus who heals. Number one evangelist. So consider some of these things on the screen. Just go ahead and let's start putting all these things up. As we consider this, I don't want us to just think about the physical here. Can we think about the spiritual? Can we think about the spiritual? Listen, we come to two stories where God uses Peter mightily. And he brings about two healings. We need to ask Luke, the author of Acts, why he included these two stories. Did he mean for us to imitate Peter? Like, I'm telling you, half of the Lions, Detroit Lions staff today that's here in Steelers used to be with the Saints. So I'm going to say hi to them today. Do I need to walk downtown around Hines? And, and is the purpose of this text for me to walk up to people who maybe ask for me to give them money and to instead offer them healing in the name of Jesus? Possibly. For the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus hadn't changed from Acts to today. He's the same God. I believe that what Jesus wants us to see here more than anything else is we kind of land the plane. Go ahead and make your way up here, Josiah and Phoebe. Is he wants us to view these miracles as spiritual lessons of the power of the gospel to transform sinners. Whatever category. The miracles that happened, like Jesus' miracles, were signs pointing to something beneath the surface. And they show us how God mercifully imparts spiritual healing and new life to those who are helpless and dead because of sin. How many of y'all would say, if Tabitha was dead, she dead? Well, I want you to first of all recognize this. We are brought up into this world with a spiritual condition. Look on the screen. Without Jesus, we are dead. We are born into sickness and death. We cannot defeat sickness and death. We are hopeless in our sickness and death. Rob, why does it matter that we would devote ourselves as a church to telling as many people as we can about Jesus? It's because the majority of people in Pittsburgh, that is their identity. But anybody thankful that we don't just consider our spiritual condition here in the house today? We are here to sing, hallelujah, the lamb has overcome. Put the second slide up or I'm never going to get to it. 
God's spiritual provision. I want you to know Jesus is the cure for all sickness and death. Amen? Did Peter heal this person? Jesus healed. And he can heal today. Jesus, anybody humbled by this? Phoebe, are you humbled by this? Jesus uses us to bring about his healing. Jesus could have just healed, right? But he uses Peter, a moron. Thank you, God, for using me despite me. How about here in the text, continuing on? Look here. His church. Who is his church? His church is one who is surrendered. Am I a believer in Jesus just because I grew up in a church? No. You have to personally confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in him. That's the church. Will you give your life to Jesus today? The church is one who is sent. We don't believe in just going to church. We believe in living the gospel, serving the city, being the church. We're sent, and the church is spiritual. We don't wage war just in the physical. No, we pray, and we ask for God to do spiritually things that we cannot do. His healing. Why would God, Phoebe, save you? Why would God save me? To display his power. Hey, I, why do you, why you act like that now, Jesus? How come, how come you love people when they hate you, Jesus? To display his power. Demands his glory. Church, we got to be honest. We're talking about ourselves too much. Stop taking credit. Rob, stop taking credit. You ain't nothing. This is God and his glory. His healing declares his gospel. This is what happened in Acts. This is what's happening today. Well, how? Jesus saved me. And what Jesus did for me, he can do the exact same thing for you. So I want you to know that there's not only our spiritual condition, God's spiritual provision, but our spiritual response. And so I'm going to ask for Taylor and Ryan to come up. And we're going to respond to Jesus together by celebrating Jesus, if that's all right. And when we consider our spiritual response, the first thing I want you to consider is this. Surrender it all to Jesus. Don't forget, Peter's at a point. Peter's at a point where he's used by God because we rewound into the Gospels. And when Jesus said, follow me, Peter threw down his nets to follow him. Your healing or your experience to walk in the miraculous healing that God intends for you to bring into other people's lives starts first with surrender. Number two, live sent for Jesus. Know and recognize that if Jesus has miraculously saved you, healed you, he's empowered you to go and be a witness to the things that you have seen and heard. And there's nothing more powerful, nothing more confirming to Jesus than a life that's been changed by Jesus. Lastly, spiritually serve with 
Jesus. Everybody take a deep breath. Because some of you are like, that's a lot of pressure, Pastor Rob. I just don't know if I'm going to go to a graveyard today and ask for people to rise from the grave. I don't know if I could handle if someone came to me and said, would you believe in God for healing over my friend's life? I don't know if I could do that. And I just want you to know, it's not about you. Notice, we spiritually serve with King Jesus. God doesn't want your ability, Vintage Church. He wants your availability. And if you would just faithfully walk with him, he is going to do some things in and through you in such a way that he alone gets all glory and honor and praise. So let's stand up. We're going to close out by singing one song here. Ryan is going to hold the bread. Let's stand over there, give everybody a little bit of room. This bread symbolizes the body of Christ that's broken for us. And I want to encourage you to come on over and to break off a piece of bread. Ryan's going to hold that really strong symbolizing Christ's body that was broken for us. And then you're going to dip it in the juice. Taylor's holding the juice. The juice symbolizing the blood of Christ. Listen to me. If today you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now to pray and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This cup, this meal, this bread is for those who have been saved by Jesus. You cannot celebrate something that you've not experienced. And so if you don't know Jesus, pray and receive Christ and then come and experience the grace of Christ and worship his holy name. At the end, we'll give you some next steps on how you can let us know about this. And in September 18th, we're going to have a crazy, crazy fun time baptizing people in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, as we go into this song and as we sing and lift up your name. Lord Jesus, do the miraculous for your kingdom and for your glory. May hope be arising through Vintage Church throughout Pittsburgh and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.